0: Hello, 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 welcome to episode 48 of the Linkage podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. This episode is for the month of October 2022. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Reynolds, Vice President of Marketing for Episcopal Retirement Services, and I'm here with Kristen Davenport, Director of Communication and our Executive Producer. How are you, Kristen?
1: Brian, I'm terrific today. Thanks for asking. I'm just really enjoying this fall weather. Mm-hmm. And fall is definitely my season.
0: <laughs> yeah. Great to see the color uh, changes in the trees. And it's been a little warmer than normal, but uh, I, I'm not going to complain about that.
1: I guess so, right?
0: <laughs> so, the Linkage podcast is dedicated to educating our audience about issues regarding aging, informing people about the mission of ERS and how that comes to life in our everyday interactions with our residents, clients, families, and staff members. So, we've got a great show. Kristen, you want to tell us what we've got coming up? I
1: do, Brian. We've got two wonderful guests. Um, Speaking of our mission, I think both of our guests can really speak to that today. Mm -hmm. Um, Joyce Wine is a resident at Marjorie P. Lee, and uh, Joyce uh, continues to make floral arrangements. That was something that was her life um, growing up, and she made a career of it. And uh, we get to hear from Joyce all about uh, how she still is... uh, making beautiful arrangements well into her 90s. So um, definitely um, breaking down those stereotypes of aging. And uh, we also get to hear your um, conversation with Laura Lamb, our president and CEO. And you guys have some great things to talk about that are also very mission oriented. So great show today.
0: Well, that's great. Well, let's get right into it. And uh, you've already given a little introduction about Joyce. So let's go right into your interview with Joyce Wine.
1: Joyce, welcome to our podcast today. Thanks so much for being my guest.
2: Well, thank you for inviting me.
1: Well, I got to know you a little bit Um Leading up to our latest gala event, which was the evening of grandeur at Peterloon.
2: That, and, was, that was grand.
1: And we both got to go, which was exciting. But even more exciting, um, you um, helped us arrange all the flowers. You actually decided which flowers and how it should look. Why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about your background as a florist and, and much you enjoy still doing those flower arrangements to this day
2: well I guess I was just born in a flower pot <laughs> <laughs> and I was just uh, my mother founded and my mother and my dad because a lot of people didn't think men were in the forest business and they would say well your mother does that where's your dad do I, I said, they're both florists. they were very active in those days, in back in 1923, I'd say 85% of business was general work. Mm. So it was uh, a different era and a different time like anything else would change with whatever's going on in the world. But that at that time, they were working full-time with the shop that they founded in Norwood. There's a lot of people, a lot of, 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 of uh, people were founding their shops in Norwood because Norwood gave an incentive to be there. Mm. And so I learned a lot about Norwood at that time. And that was, as I said, 1923. So. My sister had been born in 1920, so she was three years old. And since my mother's name was Lillian, that was too hard to say. She named it after my sister, who was born three years before that. And they named it Janet. Then I was born in 1930. And then I have another sister born in 1932. And my younger sister and my older sister became teachers. And so they would instruct everybody in the family, you gotta study hard and learn what you want to do in the later life and beginning life, all your life. Because if you don't, you'll end up to be a florist. I <laughs> that's enough out of you guys, that's enough. <laughs> but anyway, rate, it's always true, many businesses, but especially the florist business in the holiday time the whole family comes in mm, and helps. Right. So they're all there and always, what can we do to help? And we always give them something to do, and they don't always like what we give them to do, but <laughs> anyway, it's always something different. And uh, so we learned, uh, and I learned the floor has this. missing. But then when I went away to college at uh, Duke University in uh, North Carolina, I studied architecture along with botany and zoology Mm. and uh, biology, um, and uh, I enjoyed both. I enjoyed uh, architecture, and uh, we had a visiting professor who was uh, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, and he was- Wow. uh,
1: he That's was, a name drop right there. <laughs> yeah,
2: and he was somewhere else, though. So he wanted to be uh, right. Everybody mm-hmm. else was wrong.
1: He was Mr. Wright, wasn't yeah, he? <laughs> was Mr. Right, all right, Frank, really
2: right. Mm-hmm. And so he, someone wanted to help him up the platform where he had this riser to rise or speak, and he said, I can do it myself. Mm-hmm. But the first thing he said was, South was backwards and they weren't going to get ahead at all. Mm-hmm. And I said, what? Why is he doing that down Hmm. here? But he said he was just challenging them. Yeah. But I do believe he was uh, a good friend of Plumber's because he made all flat roofs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You get snow piled up on a flat roof and it leaks.
1: (laughs) Yes, I grew up right near Falling Water.
0: In oh, Pennsylvania,
1: yeah. yes, I've I visited oh, there right. many, many oh, oh, oh. times. Uh, no, in it's in um, oh, Somerset, yes. Pennsylvania, and yes. it's very flat roof. Lots yes. of drainage issues out there for yeah, sure. Yeah,
2: that was that was a different time, but anyway, I enjoyed uh, being there and uh, meeting him. And, yeah, and uh, even though it was challenging.
1: So <laughs> then, after college, you did come back and. And join your parents in the florist business? Oh, yeah,
2: because <laughs> um, there wasn't anything else. I, I thought about secretarial work and in other businesses. And uh, my husband was with um, life insurance, Lincoln Life Insurance. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought, no, I really love the flowers. Mm-hmm. I love working with my mother, and she was a very... Mm-hmm challenged and very uh, I was just a special person. Mm -hmm. I've been told that by many people that Mm -hmm. I didn't know. And um, it was after she was gone they said, oh, your mother was special. Mm -hmm. So I got a chance to work with her. Mm But we had a lot of fun teasing all the time, you know.
1: Is that where you got your sense of humor? Oh, yeah.
2: she go to the (laughs) Beauty shop, she'd come back and I'd said, they didn't take you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'd go to the beauty shop and I'd come back, she said, they couldn't take you either. <laughs>
1: tell our listeners your, um, your joke about old florists, because that's a good one. Pardon? Your joke about old florists? Tell us that oh, one.
2: Old florists never die, they just make new arrangements.
1: That's a really good one. Well, I enjoyed your sense of humor and your love of flowers, and you shared that with us when we made these arrangements for Peter Loon, and they turned out so beautifully. And when everybody gets their Linkage Magazine coming up in November, they're going to get to see Joyce uh, with our team member Angela and the fo- some of the flowers, and and also Angela's
2: special. And she, she said, tell us what about her. Try to do, and I met her, and I thought she's different. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I do enjoy meeting all the people here. Margie P. Lee, this was somewhat of how I came here, never having been a patient in a hospital. But in 2020, I fell, I was back home after recovery and mm-hmm. I needed to have extra help. Mm-hmm. And my good friend Melissa, she said, Oh, I have a friend of mine that said, You got an opening mm-hmm. at Margie P. Lee. So I went right in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was one of those first people coming in after the COVID uh, reserving the rooms. Mm-hmm. But we've
1: gotten a lot to do a lot of fun things like go to that event.
2: At the Peterloon oh, yes, estate. The and that, that wasn't your first time there, right? You've been there before. No, I've been to Peterloon several times before because my husband, with his Lincoln National Life Insurance, mm-hmm. had uh, meetings there. And so naturally they'd say, Joyce, we need some flowers. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so I worked on the centerpieces at that time. And that was a couple times they met out there. And so I was familiar with the Peterloo and I certainly enjoyed going out there because mm-hmm. the day we went out there was a beautiful day. And, of course, that Peter is manicured mm-hmm. place. And going in, we saw at least 29 or 30 deer. hmm Yep. They were just roaming around there like they, they were uh, in a pen. Mm-hmm. And, Not uh, afraid at all, right? looking at us, and yeah. we went right in, and we went right by them. Mm-hmm. And so they were welcoming us to Peterloo. Well, that was I a, so it was totally a really great it and I certainly enjoyed being at the uh, the place itself. And mm-hmm. then some people call it, it was Mary Emery or Marie Emery. Mm-hmm. That's her farm where mm-hmm. she lived, and she was over in Marymont or Mariemont. And we were married in that church over there. Really? Oh. And it was because the church that we attended was being remodeled. They said you could be married in a gymnasium. And mm-hmm. here's my mother in the florist been this all life. She said, I'm not going to have my daughter married in a gymnasium. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> so we picked that church because mm-hmm. she had decorated that church a number of times. And that's why I was familiar with that. That community and that church, and then with the uh, uh, everyone who was affiliated with it, and I know with uh, here with Margie Peeley and the and uh, Dupree House, mm-hmm. and I was familiar with all those, and then I was familiar with going on Virginia Avenue where you have mm-hmm. your home offices, and
1: mm-hmm.
2: I thought these places are well run, and so I know I think you're rated five out of five hmm and you're worth every every point
1: oh good well thank you well I want our listeners to get to hear a little bit more from you because you have so many interesting stories will you tell us about your experience going to the Rose Bowl parade not just to see the parade but also to actually work on the beautiful parade floats which are I think amazing tell us about that experience
2: Yes, well I knew we wanted to go to see the Rose Parade mm-hmm. and my sister Janet and I and I were going and her two daughters were going, the four of us were going. The guys didn't want to go.
3: Mm-hmm. They said, mm-hmm. Oh,
2: we don't want to go to the Rose Parade I said, Okay, good, we don't want you <laughs> Stay home. And then when I got there I was able to work with the Lutheran Church, the Lutheran Float. It's the only one that has a, a directly sponsored church. Mm, there are a lot right. of volunteers, but this is the only one that's just that way, and they've been, been a, a part of it for almost as long as the uh, parade has taken place. And that was on, then the actual parade was on Monday. Because they don't have it on Sunday, right? And it will be that same way this year, mm-hmm. because they said the churches are, would be uh, open and they could not have a parade on that same day. But they have a hundreds, thousands of people working with them that day, and thousands of people working all year long, right? Getting right. each one of them going, and each each one is supposed to be a part of the theme, mm-hmm. and um, it works works beautifully because uh, it's probably the only super organized thing that everybody is, and <laughs> volunteers, and uh, making it go right, they mm-hmm. just, that's one thing they look forward to, that small community yes. next to a large bi- uh, city mm-hmm. um, that it really is a... Uh, remarkable how they can put that thing together. Mm -hmm.
1: And you got to meet Shirley Temple. She was the Grand Marshal that year? Yes.
2: But while we're working on the float, and I had a young girl, of course, everybody looks young to me, and and I said to her, oh, there's Shirley Temple looking at our float. She said, who's that? Uh, am I getting old or what? But at any rate, <laughs> she had this gorgeous white full-length dress with huge red roses on her, oh. which she did not wear to the uh, actual event when she was the grand marshal, oh. because they wanted her to wear something else, and of course, yeah. you wear and do what they want you to do. Right. Said, okay. <laughs> But anyway, I certainly enjoyed that yeah. working on it, and how um, there's so many volunteers. Mm-hmm. They put just everything has to be live and seeds and pods and mm. and, um, and of course petals and flowers and and um, foliage mm. foliage plants. There's so many different kinds of things and i'm always amused when they try to describe these things there's thousands of things on each float we have this and this and this and this oh there goes another float. yeah (laughs) well
1: that's wonderful well joyce thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today i'm gonna look at the tournament of roses parade with new eyes now that i know somebody that's actually worked on it um and thank you for all you do at marjorie p lee because i know Every week, you um, get the flowers that come in, um, and you arrange them to be set out around our community, or or to be given to somebody that needs that, you know, little little Some pick me don't up. Anything, right,
2: so it's therapy for me. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I, and I've seen it in action, and it is—it's really good therapy. Well, Joyce, it's been so nice to get to know you. Thank you so much for being with me today.
2: I'm glad to be here. I love this
0: what a wonderful interview with joyce kristen I, I certainly loved hearing about her experiences especially with the tournament of roses one of my favorite is as, as a big 10 person mm-hmm. um, i've got such great memories so that that really kind of left me in awe and of course just her ongoing efforts to to, to continue her craft and uh, and and contribute to, uh, the evening of grandeur here even more recently. So she, she's a special person.
1: She really is Brian. One of the things that really hit home for me was, you know, Joyce attended Duke university and, uh, you know, really Could have gone into many different careers. She Mm -hmm. was the one of her three sisters that, um, stayed in the business and became a florist. And she really talked and I think she got a little choked up talking about her mom and working alongside her mom and what a special person she was. So even well into her nineties, you know, she's still got that, um, those great memories and that connection. That was um, really heartening to hear. Well, Brian, next up is your conversation with our president and CEO, Laura Lamb. I'm looking forward to hearing what Laura's got for us this time.
0: So we're back here again this month with President and CEO Laura Lamb. How are you, Laura?
3: Brian, I'm doing well. How about you?
0: I'm doing very well. Thanks so much. And I think, uh, as always, we have no shortage of of topics to cover. And um, I thought we'd just celebrate after having a a great last uh, uh, event in our 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 gala series the jazz at the man uh, we just celebrated this friday what a fun time it was wasn't it
3: oh my goodness i so enjoyed myself that you all did such a good job of transforming that community space into mm-hmm. a jazz club i don't know how you did it but you did
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i think everybody had a great time the, the the music was great it was again i think a very nice intimate atmosphere where people could really talk and engage so it, it was definitely a fun night, and and I think uh, you know what what the highlight of the evening, and I it was such a celebration of our affordable living communities and the efforts and the services we provided. But you know, there at the end of the night, you had an opportunity to discuss this new campaign that and and an uh, and, and idea that's coming out, which is we're calling the culture of wellness. I wonder if you could really describe that and and. Um, for our listeners here today?
3: I would love to. So, um, you know, we've been working um, specifically Jimmy and his team, Jimmy Wilson, our vice president of Mm -hmm. affordable living has been working hard to um, imagine and envision a culture of wellness for our affordable living communities and Mm -hmm. really um, take it up a notch, so to speak. So we've always prioritized wellness, but Jimmy and his role and in his new leadership, he's really kind of challenging us all to say, well, what 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 could we do even more um if we had a focus and additional resources to make sure that our affordable living residents aren't just you know surviving, they're really thriving. And right. and we believe at Episcopal Retirement Services that um, wellness is really that key differentiator between you know uh, just being human and um, you know doing well but really um, experiencing full dimensional wellness And so he and his team has put some time um, in like visioning and has created a, a very holistic I would call version 2.0 of wellness in our, afford our affordable living community so we actually had jimmy um on stage really casting that vision for mm-hmm. the audience and boy while you were there it was so well received um yeah. so well received by not just our residents who we shared that with earlier in the week but uh with our um our folks that attended the jazz and at the manse with us
0: right well, and I I thought it was so as he talked about it. It's such a holistic approach. It's not just the physical, but it's it's the social, the spiritual, uh, the vocational. You know, really being holistic about it was what was impressive.
3: Yes, for sure, for sure, and I think that that is a key component of the change. You know, we, um, you know, I think about wellness as a continuum, Brian. Mm-hmm. So. You know, what we've been able to do in the CCRCs, you know, maybe we're further along in the continuum of that holistic piece. So, you know, we have um, a spiritual services program in all of our retirement communities. And as an example, you know, we have access to healthy food because we have a culinary a dining program in each of our communities. But affordable living might be a little bit, um, you know, newer—not newer, but along the continuum, less evolved on that wellness side. Right. Um, you know what we um, have been able to offer to date is largely a, a an approach that talks about physical wellness. Right. But in a holistic wellness approach, you're exactly right. We need to do the fitness, but then we also need to do the spiritual side, the nutritional mm-hmm. side, the vocational side, the, you know, um mental and emotional wellness side.
0: Right. Well, and I think what impressed me, you know, at, at the end is that goal to really keep people as residents as long as possible. So and rooted yeah, in in research and data to really with that goal of keeping people within our walls so we can take good care of them. So that's
3: right, right,
0: really special.
3: Well, and that's a critical component of this, this five-year plan that Jimmy has laid out is that, you know, it's one thing to say, we think these components of wellness are important, but he's again, taking it up a notch and has a robust research component so we'll <laughs> be partnering most likely with a local organization or university to test our theory so right. if you do these things do people live longer do people live you know more well so to mm-hmm. speak um and then we'll be able to have research to back that up so that we can we can you know Honestly, assessed our programming to say maybe it needs to be more mindfulness and spiritual or emotionally driven. Not that fit, physical fitness isn't important, but it will really help us understand what are the key components of a program that really does allow people to thrive, live longer, healthier, happier lives.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it sounds like it's really resonating with donors. Like You had a, a great special announcement at the jazz and in the Mance, and sounds like we're really moving towards a, a pretty big goal uh and i wonder if you could could bring our listeners up to date on that as well
3: of course i'd love to and i'd love to um <laughs> ask them if the, if they are so moved if this is a passion of theirs that they could certainly help us because we're not we're not at our goal but we right. um do have something exciting to say so the five-year culture of wellness um Program campaign is um, just north of a million dollar goal, which is a big, big number and a lot of zeros. (laughs) But fortunately, we've had several donors that have already stepped up in our silent phase and one couple in particular, I'd like to just really honor and and share with um, your listeners, our listeners, Mm -hmm. and that is David and Linda Stetson. So um, Linda is no stranger to ERS. She is a previous board member. Mm -hmm. Um, Her mother actually also, we were um, fortunate and honored to serve her mother at Marjorie Peeley and the cottages Mm -hmm. uh, when she was living. And you know with that background she really knows our ministry knows our passion and she shared um our passion for specifically affordable living mm-hmm. and even more specifically wellness so they've been supporters of our affordable living wellness initiative for years but um they have ex- they've been extraordinary donors so to say that they've even been more extraordinary kind of feels funny, but they have Brian. So we announced um, that David and Linda made a a half a million dollar gift to our culture of wellness initiative, which will, and this is what I said to both of them. I have no doubt that you will be changing people's lives Mm -hmm. because a gift of that magnitude really will propel us towards our million dollar goal. And with the help of some other donors, we are, um, we are really close. We have an additional uh, gap, if you will, of $350,000. So, you know, having, um, you know, 650 almost or plus or minus uh, towards that goal, we really feel like we're in good position to reach our goal. And ultimately, why is that important? It's because we will be able to transform the health and wellness of uh, those that we serve in for low-income adults. So that's yeah. exciting.
0: Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Just to, to set up such systems and processes and collection mm-hmm. of data will certainly impact a lot of lives. And um, really looking forward to. To, to seeing how this program um, evolves over the coming years. So,
3: absolutely, uh, that is the goal.
0: Yeah. So, on another uh, initiative, a very near and dear to your heart, my heart, the, the servant leadership team's heart is our uh, We Can De- Do Better program. And uh, I know you and I, I and the servant leadership team have been looking to update our scorecard. And there's some wonderful things to share from that. So, I wonder if you could maybe talk about some of the the progress that that we've seen since we started the scorecard over a year ago.
3: I would love to. It is near and dear to my heart. It's something that you know I think is so important. I was at the National um, Association of Leading Age um, just a few weeks ago, and you know I'm constantly reminded reminded that you know, you can only manage what you measure. So um, just a reminder to our listeners that this time last year, uh, we unveiled our first, we can do better scorecard. And um, this year, uh, we are unveiling, and I'm actually going to put version two on it, Brian, I just thought of that. (laughs) That Version (laughs) two, so that, um, or or year two, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So um, we've had this process of you know, measuring what we want to improve for a year Mm -hmm. now. And we are in the final touches of being able to release um, the second um, scorecard. And something we added to the scorecard that I think is really important is, you know, asking ourselves like, well, okay, are we making a difference are we changing anything you know you why do you measure things you want to manage them you want to improve mm-hmm. them so yep. you have to ask yourself, yourselves the question did you did you change anything and we have we absolutely mm-hmm. have so we've already talked about our Lauren Brown empowerment fund, and we're raising money for that fund. And I won't, I won't repeat that, but some of the other specific metrics that we've changed this year Mm are, um, our recruitment sources. So, you know, you can't recruit, um, in the same area and expect a different result, right? right? We believe that if you want to make sure that your, um, staff workforce is, diverse that you have to be intentional with your recruitment. Well, how do you do Mm -hmm. that? You expand your recruitment sources to make sure that Mm -hmm. you're, you're recruiting in areas or in groups that um, have um, folks that are underrepresented. Right. So listen to this in 2021, we had six sources that were diverse that we, Mm um you know intentionally partnered with them yep in 2022 we have 32 huge wow. Wow. huge increase right yeah right huge increase and that is um i want to give credit to uh, Joan Wetzel, our VP of Market or VP of Marketing, took your job. <laughs> VP right. of HR. Right. Um, uh She works very closely with our head recruiter, Madeline. Uh, mm-hmm. She has mm-hmm. really put her heart and soul into this. So a yep. big shout out uh to, to Madeline and and then also to you and your team. You know, we you all have helped us. The marketing team has really helped us make sure that we. We, we have um, appropriate content and uh, materials so that we can make an impact and, and those new partnerships. So that's exciting. Right. right. Um, additionally, I could go on. So I'm going to go on with a couple more. <laughs> um, <laughs> Keep going. Additionally, our staff turnover. So we, we want to compare, you know, mm-hmm. we have turnover from time to time. We we've heard that, that, you know, healthcare is really hard right now. So our turnover rate company-wide is 16%, but we okay. want to compare that to our BIPOC and I'll, I'll remind people what that means. BIPOC is an acronym that stands for black, indigenous and people of color. Yep. So looking at under, you know, historically underrepresented comparing your overall company turnover to your uh, BIPOC. And mm-hmm. listen to this. So um BIPOC staff members are are we're retaining them to the rate of 8.8% turnover compared to that higher company wide of 16%. Wow. Again, wow. you can't wow. look at any one of these individually. You got to yeah. look at them collectively. But that's another good success story. Right. Um we had one affinity group coming out of or going into COVID. We now mm-hmm. have three affinity groups. And that was our yeah. goal to move yeah. from One affinity group to three. We've done that. And Mm -hmm. you know, you have a leadership role in that. So thank you for doing that, Brian. Sure, sure. And then, last but certainly not least, um, we've offered an opportunity for all of our staff to add their desired pronouns Uh in uh, or on their email address. Again, another opportunity for us to be able to. Um, articulate how we'd like to be addressed and how mm-hmm. we I, we self-identify, which again yeah. is a very very important component of we can do better. Yeah. So, yeah, well, yeah.
0: It's, yeah, it's fun to to have those headlines come out of the data and and to see, you know, the the emphasis that we're putting on these different areas to see some things pay off throughout the organization. So it's that is exciting.
3: Very much so, and I know you've been a a key supporter of this initiative. So again, I just say, thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you as always, Laura, for, for providing updates. I think, you know, it's particularly fun and fruitful to to go over some of the company's successes and initiatives and uh, we'll look forward to catching up next month when we're in the throes of the holidays.
3: That would be great. I'm Looking forward to it.
1: Brian, one of the things I love about our organization is uh, is our mission to uh, do better for those uh, who are underrepresented, both those we serve and the team members that we serve alongside of. And uh, we've really made some amazing strides in that area this year.
0: Yeah, I think we're very proud of that. I, I know Laura is, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of work still left to do, but uh, we'll continue uh, by, you know. Making sure that we're measuring and putting into place some 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 goals, and and then executing on programs, and um, it, it's exciting to see some progress. So more to come, and I, you know, along that same line, talking about that another initiative of the culture of wellness, I think is a really important thing, and really excited to support um, Joy Blang and Jimmy Wilson as they. Look to raise funds for that, uh, that program, and, uh, and which will just benefit our affordable living residents even more to come.
1: I love that um, note of innovation there. You know, we're really going to break some ground, I believe, and uh, I'm excited to see who comes along and, um, and comes up beside us and, and helps us with that initiative. It's going to be very exciting.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's it for this latest episode of the Linkage podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. For more information about us, you can visit our website at episcopalretirement.com. We have a lot of great content, including our Linkage blog. Uh, There's many resources for you to learn more about aging and the services we offer. Uh, You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube to see what's going on within ERS and our communities. If you have any questions or feedback for us, please email us at info at erslife.org. That's info at erslife.org. The Linkage podcast is produced by Kristen Davenport and myself, and our technical director is Caroline Perrier. I'd like to thank our guest today, Joyce Wine, and of course, a special thank you as always to President and CEO, Laura Lamb. On behalf of myself, Brian Reynolds and Kristen Davenport, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to uh, you all joining our podcast next month. Thanks so much, Kristen.
1: You bet, Brian. Looking forward to it.